What can you do with your love of science? We'll tell you. to the show for our love of science. My name is Shakira. And I'm Fatu, and we're both here for our love of science. Yes, we are for our love of science. And today we have a guest, <laughs> our guest star for today is Adrienne Umali, who has agreed to come on and share her love of science with us. Adrienne, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So how are you doing? Doing great. Uh, the weather is warming up here in New York, so I'm yes. loving that. Um, oh, yes. And and you ladies as well. How are you guys doing? We're doing we're doing great. Doing yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. So it's a nice post lunchtime call. I hope you had a good lunch already. I did. You did. Do you mind sharing what you had for lunch? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I had some leftover macaroni and cheese. It was <laughs> <Nice>. excellent. <laughs> a little comfort food for, you know, the midweek, almost tail end of the week. Yeah. Um, how about you, Shakira? Yeah, that sounds excellent. Mac and cheese. Last night I had something similar, not quite mac and cheese, but it had pasta and it had cheese, right? <laughs> <laughs> that baked feta cheese thing that you, you sent me for too. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes. With your little spin on it. With your little, little spin on it, like goat cheese instead of feta cheese, but it's better with the feta cheese. So. Um. <laughs> I feel if we're being technical, though, that should count as a type of macaroni and cheese. It's just true. considering it has the basic ingredients, and right? True, true, true. I had, um, I went out for lunch today, so I had um, a bagel with um, smoked salmon, which is like Ooh. fantastic. And like salmon is so good, <laughs> so good. And then capers and tomatoes and avocado. It was, mm. it was good. They were a little skimpy on the capers, though. I may, I may have to put that in the Yelp review. I'm the like, capers are so cheap. You could have, you could have piled them on. So that, that was the only complaint I had. But otherwise, it was, it was a very good lunch. Oh my gosh, cool. that sounds delicious. I want that now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you should be able to get a really good bagel with with smoked salmon in New York. I hear they got oh, the best, right? Yes, there's. There's like three places within a two block radius. I just need to get out of my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ladies. That was some awesome food science talk. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so are we ready to start with Adrienne? Yeah. Let's, All let's right. go. Let's jump right in. So, um, Adrienne, I'm so happy you were actually able to come onto the show and chat with us. And I'm really interested in hearing about, you know, your journey up until this point where you are now. And so we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. Um, But before we get into that, first, we wanted to talk about what you do currently with the New York Academy of Sciences. So you are a program manager. And one program in particular that I'm aware of is ASMP, the After School STEM Mentoring Program, ASMP. 
Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, ASMP is so, so cool for me. <laughs> I just think it's so cool. The labs are really interesting. It's so much fun, of course, doing it with the kids. And I learn so much as well. You know, I'm like, I'm like a big kid playing with the black and everything. <laughs> And oh, that's so good to hear. Yeah, was playing with Ublek and learning everything. And, you know, the Code and Create curriculum um, this semester was, um, it was really, really innovative, I felt, because playing with the circuit board and playing with um, the different sensors and coding the game, really, really interesting. So I really love to know more about how that all like comes together personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so please just tell us more about the program. You know, what is the goal of the program? You know, how long has it been going, things like that. And then what's your role and what do you love about it? Yeah, of course. Well, first, thank you again for, for having me. Um, I remember when I first saw your email, Shakira, about this podcast that, that you and your friend had started, I thought it was such an amazing idea, such a, a cool way to you know, spotlight different people who are doing work in STEM, um, which I think is very needed. But as Shakira mentioned, um, I work at the New York Academy of Sciences. I'm a program manager there. And as a little bit of background, I work on a few different programs, one of them being the After School STEM Mentoring Program, which we abbreviate as ASMP uh, because it's such a mouthful. So so the, the premise behind ASMP is that we take STEM professionals, so scientists, and we match them with after-school sites around the New York City area. Um, We train those scientists to facilitate a curriculum that we create. Those are the the lessons that Shakira was just talking about. This past spring semester, we had a curriculum called Do-It-Yourself STEM, which kind of focuses on cool Mm -hmm. science experiments using everyday household items. Um, And then we also had a new curriculum called Code and Create, which um, you mentioned, which Mm -hmm. focused on Scratch, which uh, if you haven't heard of Scratch, it's this uh, free platform online. Kids can learn to code there and they learn so quickly. It focuses on a visual way to code. So you're essentially just dragging and dropping different blocks of code to create different programs and animations. So it's super accessible for for kids. And so we train these scientist volunteers to to teach this curriculum. We put them in after-school sites. They have a, a site staff partner who they work with and they literally teach this 10 week course to kids which can focus on different areas. And the the goals, there are a couple goals for ASMP, um, one of them being exposure to scientists. What we we found is that so many kids, especially in you know, under-resourced areas around New York City, they've never met a scientist. They don't even really know yeah. what a scientist is or have, they have this idea that a scientist is just someone who, you know, you have to work in a lab, you have to wear a white coat, you have to mixed chemicals and things like that. And mm-hmm. um, as you ladies know, that's that's not the case. Science looks so many different ways mm-hmm. and being a scientist yeah, yeah. can mean um, having a variety of different professions. And so we want to uh, increase exposure to these individuals who have taken different paths to STEM um, and who are doing different things mm-hmm. in STEM so that kids can kind of see them and, and think, hey, this is something that maybe I could do or maybe I'm interested in learning more about and just kind of open their minds to different avenues. Our goal is also to increase 
kids' experience with hands-on learning in school. I think there's mm-hmm. this really amazing shift that's been happening in education away from you know, traditional textbook learning and uh, a focus more on hands-on and real world and having kids actually do experiments. And we want to definitely support that. So um, as Shakira kind of alluded to, most of the the lessons, or we try all the lessons in our curriculum, really focus on that, that we have the kids actually mixing stuff and um, creating different things yeah. or engineering their own <laughs> towers. Um, we we don't want them to just yeah. be watching yeah. Shakira yeah. do do something. Uh, we want them to be doing it as well. And Shakira is <laughs> just really the facilitator to to it all to, to help troubleshoot and to help guide them. Um, and we also Great. really want to get science scientists experience with educating youth. Education is so important. And I think it's Mm -hmm. something that a lot of people are interested in, but maybe don't know how to access it or think maybe I wouldn't be good at working with kids. But this is a an easy way to kind of enter into that to get experience working with youth. And it's definitely really needed, Mm -hmm. um, all over the country, but especially in New York. Um, So that that's kind of uh, the overview of, of one of the programs that I work with. It was ASMP was created with, uh, in partnership with the Department of Youth and Community Development here in New York in mm. 2010. Oh. So we've been going for a while. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Yes. Steadily, steadily growing um, and just trying to iterate it each time, you know, as, as all good experiments mm-hmm. go. Uh, we just want to make it better each time we kind of do it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of a my my long, very long winded overview of that particular program. That was perfect, I, yeah, yeah. I, I work with a couple other programs as well. One of them being placing. Um, it's called Scientists in Residence, where we also take scientists and this time match them with classroom teachers, and they work with a teacher to develop a year long project oh, wow. with their kids. Um, so. Yeah. As you can mm-hmm. probably see, the the themes are are all really similar. Exposing kids to scientists, um, helping to develop these uh, hands-on real-world learning projects, and getting scientists more exposure to the world of education. Right, right. So, scientists in residence. Um, so I guess everything is virtual now, right? Like with yes. COVID. So, mm-hmm. so the scientist in residence is sort of at home in residence. <laughs> How? <laughs> yes. Literally in residence. Literally in residence. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Yes. Um, COVID has thrown us as it has many industries for, for a loop. Um, my, my title is program manager of in-person programs, meaning (laughs) programs where scientists are on site, literally in classrooms or in after-school sites. And then with COVID, nobody is in person anymore. So we we had to shift a lot of of the things we were doing, um, make new kind of protocols, make new... make new timelines for things and adjust expectations this year. But it has surprisingly been really worked really well. And I think that's in large, large part to our volunteers and our, our teachers and our after school sites who have been super flexible, flexible with everything. Um, you know, we there's constant changes in terms of rules with COVID. Are students in classrooms? Are they now back home because there was a um, a COVID exposure somewhere, um, and things are just mm-hmm. constantly changing. So all of our p- 
participants have been so great this year at just kind of adjusting themselves and, and what they were doing so that they could still get kids this experience. Uh, it just all, all looks different now. So it's all been virtual. We do hope that in the fall, we're going to start transitioning solely back to in-person with the goal of starting in 2022 to go back to in-person completely. Ah, okay. Excellent. Excellent. So currently you have, um, you have people from sort of all over, right? Because it's virtual. Mm -hmm. So when you go back to fully in person, that becomes a little more restrictive or will you then have a more sort of hybrid type of system? Yeah, I think um, this kind of virtual experience is one that we might have, we've been thinking about, but Mm -hmm. never really you know, pull the trigger on it until we were forced to. But I think one of the really good things that has come out of this is that we've learned that people from outside of New York City are interested in working with New York City kids. And one of our biggest issues with ASMP in the past has been getting scientists to commit to working with schools that are not conveniently located. So, you know, um, when you think about under-resourced schools, there's so many, and a lot of them are in Manhattan, yes, but there's so many in the outer boroughs as well. So to get a scientist mm-hmm. to commit to going to East East New York or the outer or outer boroughs, um, upper Bronx, is has been an, a big challenge. And so We've historically not been able to work with a lot of sites that are located there, but where there is need. So I think moving forward, we we will, uh, I hope, to adopt some kind of hybrid model where we are mm-hmm. working with schools in person when we can. Because I, I do think that face-to-face component is really powerful, especially in building connections between our volunteers and our kids. But I do think that when needed, uh, remote learning has worked for us this year. And I hope we, we still have to analyze a lot of you know data and uh, the success of our program this year. But I'm hoping that it is evidence that this can be run virtually when needed as well. Yeah, yeah. I really like that question, Shakira, because I was definitely thinking the same thing. And, um, you know, Adrian definitely major kudos with being able to turn these things around and have them work so successfully during what has been just a really, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say a really tumultuous year for for everyone, you know, everywhere. Um, But I think definitely some of the silver lining of that is, you know, um, this idea of being able to make things more accessible because with the web, we can be anywhere, right? And you can literally be in Montana talking to kids in New York. And what does that mean? And what opportunities and everything does that open? And that is just so tremendous. And I really hope that going forward, you guys will be able to successfully put together this hybrid model that can have such a great impact, you know, on these students. Um, Yes. Happy to to come back and update you on on the evolution of of our program. Yes, definitely. Okay, wonderful. (laughs) Definitely. Wonderful, yeah. So so I think one thing that I really want to know is what is your favorite part (laughs) of what you do? Like, I really want to know, like, you know, what really, you know, fires you up? Like, what do you love about it? I think for me, and I think this is true of, of many people in education, it's it's seeing kids who go through the program have these 
these aha moments, or it doesn't even have to be, let me take, take it a step down, even not even an aha moment, but just moments where kids are having fun doing science lessons and STEM lessons, and particularly kids who, you know, may not have expressed a lot of interest initially with science, or, you know, they're not science people, whatever that means. And I say that (laughs) with air quotes. So I, I think that has been a big motivator for me is to to get pictures back from from scientists or from after school programs and and seeing kids building crafts and and doing experiments and engineering things i think that's kind of the it's like the fruit of your labor and you're able mm-hmm. to actually <laughs> see it happen which is always very wonderful yeah, I love those moments too. That's my favorite part of teaching. I know, I know. Definitely, I know, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just seeing that connection, seeing it make sense. It, there, there's nothing like it, really. Mm-hmm. So, um, Adrian, now that we've heard about you know this amazing program and where you are now, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got here? Sort of what inspired you? Um, were there any specific mentors that you had, or did you have an aha moment where you were just <laughs> clear? you know, sight of vision, you're like, this is what I want to do. This is going to be the program. Let's just, let's just get to it. Um, and did you always want to know you wanted to be an advocate for STEM education? How, how did you get here? Yeah, I think that is a great question. Um, and I think like many people, my, my path was definitely not linear. Um, I, I definitely wasn't in middle school thinking I'm going to work at a, a nonprofit doing STEM education things, but just not. Um, I, when I went to college, like many people, I was told myself, I'm going to be a doctor. Oh, yeah. Yep. 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 I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> And I think it was, uh, you know, it's a it's a factor of many things. You know, uh, my my dad is a pediatrician and my mom is a nurse, so they were in the medical field. I in high school really enjoyed science, so I always kind of found myself thinking, uh, or um, I always had a strong STEM identity as well. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, this is the obvious choice, and you'll make a ton of money being a doctor too, and it's really <laughs> prestigious and all of that. Um, right, right. But, um, but I think, especially at least for myself, in in high school, you, you're only considering, or I just wasn't aware of so many careers out there, or oh, um, I I didn't have a good idea of what. Uh, what the options were. And I just kind of fell Mm -hmm. like many people do into one of these um, categories, like doctor, lawyer, whatever it may be, um, that this sounds good. I'm just going to do this. But I I definitely knew I enjoyed STEM. I enjoyed science a lot. And I got involved with science research in high school. I took an elective at my high school called science research. And it was just, I thought it was so cool to be able to you know, it's a whole class where you can pick a topic that you're interested in and you just read about it and, you know, nice. do do write-ups about it and, um, you know, eventually create uh, surveys or experiments where you can expand knowledge. I thought that was so cool. Um, and so oh, nice. starting nice. in college, I, I started working 
uh, part-time in, in different labs. And I just started getting exposure mm-hmm. to science for that. And I, I've never worked um, in one specific topic for, for very long. Mm-hmm. I always sort of get an itch to try something new. So, so I did a, a lot of different oh, yes. things. I worked in one lab where I was working with mice and doing testing on like visual, uh, like visual acuity for the mice. Um, I worked in a lab where we were looking at, um, the effects of smoking marijuana on, on risk-taking behavior. Um, and so I had (laughs) these really cool opportunities. Yeah. To, to just kind of explore different avenues of, I would say academic science, um, and, and work in different labs. And by the time I was ready to graduate, I decided, Oh, I'm, I want to go and do a master's um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, continue working in lab and maybe that's what I want to do. And so I ended up coming uh, to New York City for, my, for graduate school. Um, I went to Mount Sinai and did my, ba- uh, my master's in mm-hmm. biomedical science and was mm-hmm. looking at schizophrenia, um, the effects of maternal influenza on schizophrenia, on the development of schizophrenia in mice. And so it was a little bit more molecular than what I was used to, but I think it was a great challenge for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it was, it was still this pursuit of knowledge and this pursuit of, you know, solving problems that I I've always really enjoyed. Um, But I think after, Mm -hmm. after working with mice for so long, I decided I'm, I want to try something else. <laughs> I want to work with uh, people. <laughs> um, and I, I ended up doing a, a teaching fellowship. It, it was called the New York City Teaching Fellows, very similar to Teach for America, if you're uh, familiar with that mm-hmm. program. And mm-hmm. I went into education. And I think that was really a critical point in, you know, you talk about my career path and my career journey. Um, that really started me on this path of STEM education, um, that I'm still Mm -hmm. working on just in a kind of different role right now. Um, I ended up teaching science in the Bronx, uh, middle school and high school Mm -hmm. for about six years. And it, that period of time taught me so much about, you know, what I wanted from a job. It, it really forced me to look at, um, what am I good at? And, uh, mm-hmm. what, what is my passion? And mm-hmm. after a while, I decided I, I want to take a little bit of a step outside of the classroom and move to still STEM education and advocacy, but kind of looking mm-hmm. at it through a different lens. And so now I'm at this nonprofit, the New York Academy of Sciences, uh, hopefully still working mm-hmm. towards the same goal of, you know, bettering education or providing additional avenues for uh, students to get really good quality STEM education. So that is my very convoluted (laughs) um, journey to to how I ended up here. But yeah, it's always been really nice to to feel the the freedom of switching to different positions. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe that's something that's unique towards our our age group, maybe. Um, I know when I talk to my Mm -hmm. parents, they... They're the types of people who, you know, they decided what they wanted to be really young in in their teens, early twenties, mm-hmm. and that's what they just did the same job for 
60 years. Um, wow. But for me, wow. it's been really great trying different things, you know, trying working in a lab and then moving to teaching and then moving to this nonprofit mm-hmm. work. And I think there are threads that are common throughout. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I think when I talk to kids now, um, I, I really try to encourage them to, to explore um, and not mm-hmm. just to feel like they, they need to pick something early on and kind of stick with it. If you find what you really care about, there are so many different ways to approach it and so many different opportunities out there. You just kind of have to be open to it. Yeah, totally. And um, did you have any challenges along this sort of circumventus route to get you to where you are? Can you speak a little bit to some of that? Sure. I think um, anytime I've had a a career change, I've I've always been really scared, mm-hmm. and and I would say mm-hmm. that that's been a challenge for me. You know, I, I really like my personality is one where I really like comfort and routine and, and knowing, um, knowing where I'm going, but I think some of the Mm -hmm. best, um, parts of my career path have been these kind of leaps of faith that I've had to take, for instance, going into teaching. I, I hadn't Mm -hmm. really considered it before. I didn't know if I was going to be good at it. Um, and, and Mm -hmm. I did it and I, I learned so much from it. And the same with leaving classroom work. I didn't mm-hmm. know what if I what if I missed it and this was like a bad move for me. What if I hated working in an office nine to five? But I, I've oh, always told yeah. myself, you can go back if you want. Yeah. Um, I told myself when I left teaching, I was I was so upset. I I almost cried when I handed in my letter of resignation just oh, from you know it was a it was a big decision and I I didn't have a job lined up when I when I resigned and I thought this could be a really bad move, but I promised myself, I'm going to try something new. And if I end up not Mm -hmm. liking it, I'm just going to go back. Um, And and that's okay. It it doesn't mean that was wasted time, but luckily I ended up really liking working at a nonprofit and working in the informal education space. So I think I would have been so sad if I, if I had just kind of stuck to classroom teaching because I was scared to, to kind of make a change. Yeah. 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 That was very brave. <laughs> yeah. I think that yeah. resonates with all of us, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, we are definitely here for, you know, taking that leap of faith and just seeing, seeing where you end up. Yeah. Usually I feel in life, the best things that have happened to me have been completely unplanned. Yes. Fatu. Oh my gosh. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, you can try to plan as much as you want, but mm-hmm. life is just going to throw unexpected things your way. And oh, yeah. sometimes you just got to go with it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious. So during all of your sort of meandering and figuring out your way, talk about the support that you had sort of making these really scary decisions, right? To make these big changes. Did you have sort of mentors who always had your back or, you know, like what kind of support system did you have to really to lean on during the time? Yeah. I think mentorship is so important and it is one of the components of of the programs I work with now. So um, I advocate for mentorship um, in my professional life as well, but personally, I think one of the most important support systems that I've had 
throughout all these different career changes and just through life in general has been my family. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think that in terms of mentorship, sometimes people don't think about, you know, how your, your parents can act as mentors as well. They're, they're your family and they're related to you, but sometimes um, people who are close to home like that can be your, your best um, support as you make these decisions. And I'm very lucky in having parents who have been supportive of wherever it is I have decided to go or if I, uh, when I quit my job without one lined up, I was so scared to tell them. Um, I thought they were going to be so mad at me and just yell at me about how this was a a crazy decision, but they ended up being so supportive. Um, and, and I think just having people who believe in you, um, especially at moments where you're like, I don't know if I could do this. I don't know if this was the right move. Having someone who's just you, you got this, you can do it. Um, you can find your next step, um, is really, really powerful. Um, in terms of mentors in, in my career, I think I've had been very also lucky to have great, uh, PIs, great bosses who I've worked with, Mm -hmm. um, who've been very supportive in, in allowing me space to research what I want and, allowing yeah. me space to jump mm-hmm. onto different projects and just kind of explore as well, which, which I think, um, which I'm so grateful for. Um, you know, I, I think some, some supervisors can be really micromanaging or, or, or limit you a lot in, in the scope of your work. But, um, mm-hmm. the two PIs, one, um, that I worked with an undergrad, Jane Metric, and one that I worked within who I worked with in graduate school, Javier Gonzalez Maeso, just giving shout outs, um, were so <laughs> amazing in, in that they, they really encouraged me to pursue different projects or jump in on different things and, um, and helped kind of develop me to, to be able to think critically and, and focus on, um, things that I, that I was interested in. Um, and I'm forever grateful for that. Right, right, right. Awesome. It's great. Yeah. So we're going to keep talking about your journey. Very, very interesting path that you've had so far, made some great decisions and landed in a place in your life where, you know, you're Mm -hmm. happy with what you're doing, which is so important, right? You feel the purpose and the importance of it. So um, what would you say, like reflecting on that, how do you think you know, your journey enhanced your ability to do what you do now. So what do you think you learned, whether in general, about yourself, that still really fuels you every day and really helps you to, to get your, your job done? Yeah. Um, I think, I think for anyone, and this kind of goes back to what I was um, saying, you know, when I talked to, to young people or aspiring scientists, the, the best advice I have for them is to find something that they're passionate about mm-hmm. and pursue that instead of, you know, a job title um, mm-hmm. or, or something along those lines. Um, and I think one thing I, I've realized through working in different careers is that what's important to me is really feeling like I'm, I'm making a difference and having a positive impact in my community. And I think that's something that is a, a common thread that I have taken throughout all these, you know, different 
different job titles that I might have, um, but it's something that I know <laughs> right. that I want to do even in the future, regardless of um, of the particular industry that I'm in. So I think that is probably the the biggest motivator for me is just mm-hmm. making sure that whatever I'm doing has a positive impact, particularly in in the community that I live. I think that's that's really important. Mm-hmm. And for other people, it might be something else. You know, it, it might be uh, mm-hmm. creating new knowledge, or it might be, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's really important for you to make a lot of money, and that's okay too. Right. Um, but if, yeah. if you if you know that, um, you know that that's important, and you you can pursue passions. Um, with that in mind, uh, maybe it's just having a better uh, work-life balance. That's really important to some people mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. 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 I think that ties in really well to talking about like, what does success mean? Right. So you kind of brought it up a little bit there to some people it's making a lot of money, right. To you, it's like, you know, knowing that what you're doing is making a difference. You're passionate about what you're doing on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. And so, yeah, I think it's really important for people to think about, like, you know, what's really important to me when thinking about making those kinds of decisions. So I love that. I love what you just said. So um, I think that the last thing that we're running out of time a little bit. So last thing I'm going to talk about in this segment is we're going to do Rose Rose Thorn Bud really quickly. (laughs) Just because I think think it's kind of cool. And, um, you know, I think, you know, we want to see how it goes and try to like include it in in our different interviews. And so Rose Rose Thorn Bud is um, this tool I first heard about from uh, Neil Pasricha, who is a Canadian author slash public speaker slash blogger, like he has lots of slashes. <laughs> and so it's a tool that he recommends to help you practice gratitude, right? And so you say two roses. And so a rose is, you know, as it says, the wonderful things, <laughs> right? So mm-hmm. things that happened in your career that were big successes or great opportunities or just highlights of your career. Mm-hmm. And then a thorn, as the name suggests, are the bad things, right? Something that was a disappointment to you or just didn't go well. And then a bud is promise, right? Looking to the future, something that hasn't happened yet that you're really looking forward to, whether tomorrow or next month or years from now, something that you're looking forward to. Um, in the future, so two roses, one thorn, and one bud. Do you think you can? <laughs> you think you can? Oh, I, I love this. It's it's like tricky, but I, I like yeah. the format that you put <laughs> you put it in, and it's gonna make me you will not be graded. <laughs> you will not be graded. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. I'll take it one at a time. Two for okay. so two roses first. So two mm-hmm. great things, and this is just general, right? Mm-hmm. lifetime career. Um, yep, yep, yep. Two things that I'm most proud of. Um, one of them we touched on was do, taking this leap to, to leave teaching, which is, mm-hmm. you know, teaching was my first real job, um, mm-hmm. you know, outside of working in a lab uh, while in school and things like that. And I had done it for six years, which to me was forever. So uh, (laughs) to leave it was a a big decision that I grappled with for a long time. And I I think it was really a rose for me personally. 
Um, I think it really opened me up to, to different opportunities and thinking about education in non-traditional ways. And I think this, this has been like a really, that was a really good choice for me. Um, another rose is, I think, joining the academy specifically, but specifically working on this program. Mm-hmm. I think uh, when I first joined the academy, I was hired on as uh, a program manager for this kind of global virtual program, which was really, it was great uh, to work on. Um, I got a lot of really good experience, especially experience I had to leverage this past year when my programs went virtual again. (laughs) But I I joined Mm -hmm. uh, working on this kind of global program and an opportunity came around to work on this kind of more localized program, ASMP and scientists in residence, which focus on New York. And Mm -hmm. I think that that kind of taught me that I, I have a passion for, you know, doing work that revolves around STEM education, but specifically in the New York City area, because, you know, that's my area, and that's where I live, and that's where I (laughs) I most want to give back. Um, So I think that has been really great for me to to be able to do, and it's something that I want to continue doing in the future. Um, For Thorn, it's not one one specific Thorn, but I I will say... uh, that I've had a lot of um, job rejection, rejections uh, in my life. Oh, and no. I, I, yeah, and it's it's always hard. It's always, um, yeah. you know, oh, a blow to, to put your effort into creating a, a tailored resume and a, a whole cover letter mm-hmm. for something and to get oh, rejected God. or oh, ne- yeah. never hear back. Um, so right. I do, yeah. <laughs> I do want to be clear that I, I made what I think are these these really um, fortuitous career moves, but they they did not come without mm-hmm. little thorns. Um, before I, yeah. when I was applying to to work at the academy, I applied to maybe forty or fifty different jobs. I got interviews for wow. a handful of them, and then mm-hmm. rejections from most of those. So it is definitely right. not. Uh, something that is easy for for everyone, and it was not easy for me. And I think those were were painful times, but resulted in in things that I think were really good for me. Um, and then, what is the last the something I'm looking bud something that bud. I'm looking forward to looking forward to yes. <laughs> I think I'm just looking forward to looking forward to seeing where this takes me. You know, we we've talked a little bit during during this segment about um different career paths and different career opportunities and just being open to to a lot of different things and I'm I'm excited to see my programs grow, hopefully take on different mm-hmm. programs as well and and see kind of where that goes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That was great. <laughs> Thank you so much yeah. for, for humoring <laughs> <A> us. <plus. laughs> you do get an A plus. Um, I think um, your your roses are perfect because they reflect, you know, where your, where your heart is, right? Um, I, I love your thorn because that's such an important lesson for everyone to learn, right? Even mm-hmm. though, you know, 
where you are in your journey. Where So someone might look at you and think, oh, she had it easy or something like that. But it's important to point out that, no, it wasn't easy, right? You had to go through all of these thorns, right? You had to mm-hmm. go through all of this to get to where you are now. And so it might not be easy, but if you're passionate about it, just keep at it and, and just keep, keep going. doing it. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. I love exactly. that. Beautiful. Exactly. Um, so Adrian, let's circle back now um, to the ASMP program. And can you tell us a little bit more about how people can be involved in that specific program or the New York Academy of Sciences in general? For example, if you're a student, um, if you're an educator, if you're a mentor, um, how can you get involved? Yep. Yeah. So the the New York Academy of Sciences has so many different opportunities um, and we are always recruiting for something or another. So <laughs> I would advise anyone who's who's interested to, to just check out our website. It's nyas.org. And under that, you, you can find opportunities for mentors. So for scientists who are in, interested in doing mentorship opportunities, for students who are interested in participating in in programs. We have um, some really cool virtual programs as well geared towards high school students and even for young professionals. So postdocs and graduate students, we we have the Science Alliance, which caters to them. So we work in in a lot of different uh, kind of grade and professional bands. Um, For the Mm after-school STEM mentoring program, uh, we are pretty much always recruiting mentors. We have a (laughs) Uh, a three semester cycle. So we do programming in the summer, we do it in the fall and we do it in the winter. Um, And we Mm -hmm. recruit undergrads, grad students, postdocs, STEM professionals, STEM retirees to to work in these after-school sites. You'll find the the application on our our webpage and and more information. um, Mm -hmm. And the same for scientists and residents. Um, That one has a little bit of a longer term cycle. Um, We operate during the school year. And so we are currently doing recruitment for scientists and residents for a false start. And that will, that program will happen um, from September to June is the the typical program cycle. And as I mentioned, for for students, the the programs I work with, unfortunately, don't recruit students directly. We we have partner after school sites Mm -hmm. that we work with and the students that go to Mm -hmm. attend those sites. And we recruit teachers. So New York City teachers are also Mm -hmm. welcome to apply to scientists and residents. um, And we'll work with them to create uh, awesome science-based projects uh, for for their kids. But in, if you're a student who's interested, you know, in opportunities to to find a mentor, to work with other like-minded students, we we do have some really great virtual programs that are open globally. Um, and that's the Junior Academy and, and Thousand Girls, Thousand Futures, uh, which all operate on an online Yay. platform. And it's just, yeah, it's a really cool opportunity for kids to, to meet other people who are super into STEM and uh, other, uh, mm-hmm. other youth who are super into STEM and an opportunity to connect with adults who are interested in, you know, giving advice and sharing their story and and helping kids with, um, you know, career path questions, all of that. Um, it's a cool way to, and a, a cool way to create this safe space for, for students to really explore. They, they do different things, work on challenges, creating solutions for challenges, or uh, go through these academic modules that we, we have as well um, that focus on, on kind of different skills like 
creativity, critical thinking, all of that. Yeah, yeah that is all on our website if anyone is interested. Um, it's nyas.org, um, and there's different kind of pages for each program you'll see. Cool. That is my Excellent. big plug. <laughs> we'll be sure to put the links in the in the show. Yes, so we, yes. yes. <laughs> we, we will have yes. all the links so listeners can click on it and, and find the programs and and get involved. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And what about um for a role like yours, um, Adrian? How can someone prepare themselves? Yeah, I think for a role like mine, I think you just have to be really passionate about education and mm-hmm. and science. And mm. I, I think those are the the number one qualities to do this because, you know, like like many jobs, it's it's a job still, right? You <laughs> you have to work even when you want to sleep in <laughs> and not do anything. And to be able to enjoy it, you have to actually be passionate about it. And there's mm-hmm. you know, you put in a lot of time doing outreach. So like finding random people's emails and emailing them. Are you interested in participating in this program? Do you want to do this? And, and right, kind of this, right. all, all this work that goes into to creating these programs that if you are not interested in it, I think it might be hard. But it, I also yeah. think in terms yeah. of for, for younger students, if they're interested in, you know, what does it mean to work at a nonprofit? What does it mean to, to be a program manager? And, and the title program manager is so broad. You program managing in mm-hmm. in a nonprofit space is very different from say like a construction space. It it all is under the same title, but it means different things. I I would encourage students or even uh, adults who who are interested in making switches or interested in pursuing a career like this to to reach out on on LinkedIn. They're welcome to reach out to me or just to find someone who who has a job that they think is really cool um, and asked to set up a time to, to talk over the phone or go out to coffee if the person is in your area um, or just ask some questions mm-hmm. via email. And I, I usually get some, um, yeah. each year I get a couple uh, through LinkedIn and, you know, honestly, I sometimes don't have time. Um, but some, when I do, I'm, I'm always more than happy to kind of, speak about what it is that I do so that people can get a better idea. And I, I don't think that students or, or people will be able to really understand what goes into different careers without, you know, asking those questions and, and being really curious and, and also putting themselves out there. It's okay if the person who you reach out to doesn't respond. Um, it's not anything against you. Sometimes <laughs> people are just busy. But it's, yeah. it's easy to kind of, you know, shoot right. out a couple emails to people who are doing things you think are cool. So you can get an idea of what did they do to get there and maybe the skills that you might need to to pursue a career as well. Yeah. And when you do get a response, that's like a rose, right? I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right in my day. <laughs> exactly. So um, I have one more quick question. Um, what, uh, if any, challenges does the program um, face? And is there any way that the community can help out? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... That's a great question and, and something I'm always thinking about as well, especially we're coming up to our our year's end. So we're kind of mm-hmm. doing a review about of, of what we've done this past year and how uh, we can improve over the next. Um, I think uh, 
one challenge we'll have is is definitely definitely navigating this kind of post COVID education space mm-hmm. um, where mm-hmm. we were virtual, um, and that came with some successes and some drawbacks as well. And what does our program look like in the future um, with this knowledge? So. Right. I think this is a really great opportunity for us to reevaluate the the strengths of our program, what we're doing well, and to expand on those and and how we can reach more students and develop those processes so that we can be a better program. Um, and I do want to say if you, especially if you are in the the New York City area or if you're a scientist somewhere out there who's interested in mentoring, please reach out. We're always looking for, more mentors, more individuals who are doing different sorts of science to to speak with our kids and to work with them, and particularly scientists of color as well, scientists who represent minority groups. Mm-hmm. Um, that That is, mm-hmm. I think, so powerful to be able to see someone who looks like you talking about STEM. And I, I hope to be able to bring more of that to, to our students. Yep, definitely. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it. Thank you so much, Adrienne. Yeah, of course. So the last session, I think, is the funnest. <laughs> we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about life lights. Pop, 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 pop. <laughs> so <laughs> you like my little sound effects. <laughs> pop, pop. Um, so what brings you joy? We know that you love STEM and you're passionate about STEM advocacy, um, but it's not your entire life, right? So what brings you joy? outside of STEM advocacy? What what brings, you know, just bring light to your life? Oh my gosh. I love this question. Um, I think so many things. What, what am I willing to admit to? <laughs> Whatever you're willing to admit to. <laughs> I, I am definitely part of, I think the large percentage of the population who is super into, you know, those serial killer documentaries that are not above binging completely binging uh one of those in the future i've always wanted to create a whole curriculum around like forensic science yes, and just like cool. dusting your prints and like do, do it do stuff. it do it <laughs> yes. do it do it do it you have to call us up when that when that comes to reality. You spoke it into existence, so it's going to happen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I've also recently gotten into a lot of, um, you know, creative like crafting type hobbies. Cool, cool. And I, yeah. I've been crocheting more. These are wow. all. I I hope people are not. I hope people are impressed and not <laughs> concerned about these uh, hobbies I'm going to list, um, but like crocheting, <laughs> embroidery, so um, for, wow. for Christmas, what? I got a lap loom. So I've been trying my hand at weaving Whoa. and I want to say that I'm Whoa, not like amazing. really great at any of these things, but I do very much <laughs> enjoy it um, as something that can be done, you know, while I'm listening to an awesome podcast about uh, STEM and people who work in STEM, uh, or watching a serial killer documentary, <laughs> um, or or doing oh last year during the start of the pandemic, I got one of those huge paint by numbers paintings, and it took oh, me, nice, it took nice. me three months. It was so in depth, uh, but it was really just zen 
to to just like not mm. think about anything and you're just like following the numbers and painting. Mm-hmm. So I like to get those creative juices flowing. Um, I think it's important. I I did uh, go to a webinar yesterday where uh, people were talking about the skills gap in, you know, in education and in in the workforce. And one thing that I took away from it, which I used to justify all these hobbies that I just mentioned, is that um, it was this (laughs) company that had pulled all these HR representatives and, you know, um, CEOs of all these huge companies. And they asked, what are the skills that your employees are lacking the most that you're looking for and not finding? And one of the the main qualities Mm -hmm. was creativity. So I very much recommend to everyone, um, whatever you have to do. I I feel like I'm a science person, but you just got to get creative sometimes too. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Feed your creative self. Yes. Yes, Okay. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I think that is it for today's show, right? Yes. So um, we'd like to say thank you again so much to our guest star, Adrienne Umali. Thank you so much for coming to share your story with us. Um, It was great to get to know you a bit better and to just hear your thoughts about your journey and about the great work that you do in the New York Academy of Sciences. And uh, we look forward to following up with you in the future. (laughs) Please do. Thank you so much, Akira. And thank you so much, Fatu. This was a great experience. Um, I love the premise of this podcast and can't wait to listen to to more of your episodes. Yay. And thank you for spending this time with us. Yeah, no worries. yeah. So we'll include links for sure to ASMP scientists and residents in the Academy of mm-hmm. Sciences in mm-hmm. the show notes, um, as well as the best way to reach you, Adrienne, which is LinkedIn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so right. that people can get involved, listeners can get involved. So, awesome. listeners, if you're looking to add some more STEM to your life, if your heart is aching for some more science, this is a great way. Reach out and get involved, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And on that note, thanks to our listeners for joining us today and listening. Please subscribe and you can uh, reach out to us by email. Um, That information will also be available online um, for jokes, comments, suggestions. (laughs) No criticisms, please, because our podcast is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And until next time, uh, we hope you will join us again for our love of science. Bye, everybody. Bye. always like why are you watching these shows about wives that kill their husbands <laughs>